0: Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots
1: podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your stinky paws off me, you
0: damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh**, they're actually Monkeys Fighting Robots. You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. And on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast
1: from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt... Welcome to the 67th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice is upon us. Here to break down the film with me is Monkeys Fighting Robots movie critic, E.J. Moreno. E.J., thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. We both saw Batman Superman. I want your take on the film. What did you think of the film? First off, I think it was
0: such a visually stunning movie. I think everyone expects that from Zack Snyder. We all know that's what he does the best. But I actually really like... I thought the movie had heart. I don't think a lot of critics feel that way, but I think it had so much more soul and heart in it than I even expected it to be. I think he sometimes makes hollow movies, and this was a little less hollow, so uh, I there's just I have 110 things I can say about it. I just I love everything about it. I loved it from start to finish. I love the action in it. I love... The, the, there's humor. I think that's the biggest critique that I've heard from it is people calling it humorless. And I'm like, I remember chuckling a few times. I thought there was a couple good jokes.
1: So you talk about this heart. Can you give me an example about what you're talking about when you talk about the heart of the film?
0: Other than this whole Lois and Clark soap opera, which is obviously, I think, the most heart the movie has. I think the, the relationship Bruce has with Alfred. I think the just the element of Superman did something wrong. And we have to punish him for it. I think that was, I think that was the biggest critique for Man of Steel is that you know he just did all this destruction and got away with it. And I think this one, it's like, no, we have to, you know, someone has to pay for it. So I think it actually gave it a little bit more soul, and it felt like we were trying to like tell a whole story and teach a lesson, which I thought was a little interesting for a film like this. But uh, yeah, I, other than the whole love with Clark, I did not need their melodrama soap opera love. Um, I just think that there was so much, just a lot of passion in it. And I think that was a little bit different than I completely expected from it.
1: For me, I wasn't a fan of it the first time I saw it. I'm going to go see it again tomorrow at the IMAX. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it another shot uh, from what I've talked about with with other nerds out there and, and have read. People that have seen it the second time, are, they kind of see a little bit more. They kind of just relax and kind of just enjoy the movie as more of just sitting back and critiquing it. So I'm looking forward to giving it, a, I'm going to give it one more shot. Because for me, the film does a few things that just irked me right in the beginning and kind of set me up for kind of a failure. Batman's, the origin, I don't know, the origin supposed to be pretty simple. You know, with with his parents getting killed and Zack Snyder makes a little tweak to it, it screws it up and this is the mythos that's been there forever. So that was, so right away I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe they changed You know Batman's origin because his parents were like, "Hey, you know, to the burglar, like, here, have whatever you want, have whatever Mm -hmm. you need, whatever it is, you can have it. Just leave us alone. We just want to be fine." You know, and then they they get shot, you know, by this guy on purpose, as opposed Mm to Bruce Wayne's dad trying to punch the crook who has a gun. And I'm like, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" (laughs) Uh, I did notice that,
0: and I it almost kind of passed by me until we talked about it right after, and I noticed that. I'm like. Okay, that was a little wonky. I don't think enough for me to even just like I was saying. It just didn't even register with me the first time. So I was like, huh. Now I've been thinking about it. I'm like, that that was a little bit, a uh, little bit off kilter from what they normally do. But it was it, maybe it sets up what this whole universe is. This is a little bit darker. This isn't the average Batman story that we've seen. Maybe his father's aggression is the reason he is so aggressive now. I didn't know how to feel about that one, that little part. So, and, I, I do agree with you. It was a little, it was a little weird.
1: And for me, all Warner Brothers has to do to make me love these films is say that the TV universe and the movie universe are all in the multiverse of the DC characters. This is just a version of the DC universe that I'm seeing on TV. But right now, they're like, no, no, no. This is the ultimate version of what we're doing. Because then mm-hmm. I then I can understand this okay, this is an alternate reality. It's kind of like Ultimate Marvel where they've made a created and they've made their MCU and they're like, okay, this is gonna be kind of more like our ultimate universe. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of respect where they're coming from, the few changes here and here here and there to make it more realistic or or make it more updated. Uh, but Warner Brothers has stayed away from like, oh, we don't want to confuse the audience by saying the flash on the CW mm-hmm. and the flash in the film or or kind of they're kind of in the same universe, but they're not in the same universe. And I don't—you're already confusing people when you know you have a Flash TV show and then you have a Flash show up, and everybody's like, "Who's that guy?" Uh, yeah. So I don't understand why why DC or, or Warner Brothers doesn't want to come out and be like, "Hey, it's all part of the same universe." Because then I can actually sit back and be like, "Hey, this is cool."
0: Yes, I, I like what you said. It was kind of a like an alternate reality. This feels like Earth like one point five. This isn't Earth two. Nothing's too dramatically different but this isn't the, the average Earth-1 kind of story we all know. That's why I'm like, we're in this weird middle of, like, we want to be different, but we want to please people and either jump the complete other side and make a whole different thing or do what you said and just be like, look, here's a multiverse. We saw it in the, uh, the an episode of The Flash, sorry for spoiler for anyone, when he's running through and going through time, we see the, the Flash TV show, we see this. So we already know DC is a little wonky. Like you said, just acknowledge it already, Warner Brothers, and then put people at
1: ease. Right, because then I can be like, "Oh, this is a different Batman, and he uses guns in this universe." Because that, that where ah. they had that, where they had that dream universe, the dream universe where he was fighting Superman and his minions, he was running around with a gun, shooting people and hitting people. And I was like, "What is he doing?" <laughs> it's, it's, it's what it's kind of with, It's what I've with, been ingrained in. For all of time, like even in the cartoons, the Justice League Unlimited, there was an episode that was brilliant where like Deadman hops into Batman's body and he uses a gun in the episode. Deadman comes out of him and Batman's like, what did you do? Like, I don't use mm-hmm. guns. Like you went against everything that I believe in. And it kind of spoke to me. And this is a cartoon. And I'm like, it's really fucking awesome cartoon, but it's still a cartoon. Yeah. Um. This is, that's where it would put me at ease. And that's where I'm trying to like, give it the benefit of the doubt because I want this universe to succeed. I want to see all these films. I want them to do well. And I'm trying to figure out what that course is for DC to do well in the cinematic universe.
0: Uh, One note about the gun thing. I I hear a lot of complaints about him using a gun. I felt the gun use in that dream sequence sequence was perfect for a nightmare. That was everything Bruce did not want to do and not want to happen. He didn't want Darkseid to get here. Sorry, but everyone saw that little symbol uh he just he just doesn 't want any of that, which is why it 's called Nightmare with a K, unfortunately, which I think is the worst pun i 've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I hated that, but no i, I that 's what that 's the what I took from that was everything in that dream is things that he doesn 't want to happen, so that 's why the gun I was acceptable with that now he does use guns throughout the movie, but they 're never like a bullet the one time he used the sniper for like a tracking device, one time he used that rocket launcher to like throw something at a uh, Superman. So those are like, okay, at least those weren't like gun guns as we know it. But yes, in the dream sequence, he does go a little a uh, little gung-fu over there.
1: I did tell my friends because I, once I posted some sad emojis about the film on Facebook, I had friends kind of talk to me about it. And And for me, my takeaway is great actors, okay script, bad director. And that's just my personal opinion, but we'll talk about the director in a little bit. But for me, I think Ben Affleck is the best Batman I've seen on screen. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, ever.
0: Oh, ever. I think Ben Affleck, like, because uh, the problem with Batman is you have to play two characters with Batman. You have to be Bruce Wayne and you have to be Batman. There's, they're, they're completely two different characters. I know they're in the same body kind of thing, whatever. But he. no one's ever done both well. Either Michael Keaton with a great Batman, but a, eh, okay, Bruce Wayne, Where I saw Christian Bale with a great Bruce Wayne and a mediocre Batman. Where... Ben Affleck was perfect as both. Uh, just, And I think his history of the movies he kind of makes helped with the detective part. I just felt he brought so much uh, maturity to the character and something different that I've never seen. Um, so he will probably be go down as my favorite Batman of all time now.
1: Because when I read Batman comic books, even in the late 80s to the 90s to now and everything like that, I've always envisioned Batman as a late 30s to mid 40s mm-hmm. kind of guy. And that's where uh, Bruce Wayne, Ben Affleck was in this film. And I was like, this is the guy that I've always imagined to where Michael Keaton, I, I for him, you know, I was young when that film came out. Val Kilmer was in his 30s. Christian Bale was in his 30s. But they, they never had that, like, maturity, which I thought that Ben Affleck brought to the table, like you said.
0: Oh, I like how you completely skipped George Clooney there. You were like, Batman and Robin never existed. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, moving on now. So I thought thought it was kind of funny. But, yeah, I I think there was a certain level of maturity he brought to it. And I think he, this is me liking these characters, I think he brought some sass to it. He was so kind of witty and so funny at times. There was that moment where he, like, we see it in the trailer where he smiled at Superman. And I was just like, little notes like that that I think he brought so much more to it. His relationship with Alfred, I think, perfect casting for both of those people. I think they worked so well together. I believe their relationship.
1: The casting I think is is was great. I I had no problems with anybody. I thought everybody stepped up to the plate and they did a really good job. Superman's always going to be a stiff character. That's just who he is. Yeah, yeah. I've I, accepted that for now. There's no way to get around it. He's just an awkward, stiff boy scout and it's no matter how well you write him or what you do, it's it's always going to be a stiff character. I wanted more from Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman, just because we've never seen her before, and I wanted her yeah. to. I wanted her to, you know, for me, the Justice League cartoon is forever my Justice League. I yeah, I've read all the cartoon. I mean, I've read all the comic books, and I've I remember the early Justice League with the Wonder Twins and all that fun stuff. But I really enjoyed Justice League and Justice League Unlimited that series, yeah. and that Wonder Woman was awesome, and she used to get. So mad and angry and beat people up and I wanted to see that a little bit more from Gal Gadot. I
0: think it's there um, and I think they just knew this wasn't her time because honestly, if, if there was any more of her, it would have been her movie. It would have she would have stole it all. Um, what I feel what Eisenberg did, I think Eisenberg was in it a little too much. Where I'm like, okay, I loved him a lot more than I loved Superman, um, but no, I I really I can't wait to see more of her and I think that's what I think the best thing they did was this was sell me on the wonder woman movie more than i needed to be sold on it
1: my other issue with the film and, and i thought about it because i've been thinking about this film ever since i saw it and i wanted to be like okay where did things go wrong what happened and it's all about your time and place and when you see a film last weekend i wasted not wasted i binge watched 13 hours of daredevil season two which was phenomenal mm-hmm. And they—they, they, I don't know how much CGI is in the film, but they really strive for realistic fight scenes and choreography. And yep. then they spent a whole hour with Daredevil and The Punisher philosophizing about whose hero is the way it's supposed to go. So I—I I had a 13-hour movie, which kind of was in the same vein of the two-hour and 45-minute movie. And I'm like, okay, I didn't feel like I got enough from Batman. So is it me? Needing a thirteen-hour Batman versus Superman movie, or was it was it lacking in that script department of the philosophies of the two heroes?
0: Oh, I know. I agree. I think that I think there was a lot of philosophy missing. I think you talked about. I think there was way too much CGI. I'm never a fan of it, but I've also accepted that Zack Snyder's films, um, everything he does, has this like layer of cartoon over it. So that was something I think that kind of took me out of it. There was one scene that was horrible with CGI-wise that I, I won't forgive them for. It's uh, when Batman stomps through the opening and lands on Superman on the bottom of that building. That was horrible. <laughs> I was very upset with that. But that was the only time, Doomsday, I ignored that whole character kind of thing. I just ignored what he looked like, which I think he looked better in the movie than he did in trailers.
1: No, I was fine with you. He looked like he was supposed to look like. I, was, yeah. I, I don't know what... I mean, he, I can go into the doomsday mythos of of who Mm -hmm. he is and how he evolves and all this stuff like every time he dies he he comes back and regenerates from that death so that he can't die from that death again so he's always building up armors in different ways to protect Mm -hmm. himself this was a new i I don't know where they were going with this doomsday uh so who knows what's going to happen or what could come back with him uh but Mm -hmm. this was just a first doomsday but you could see that like every time he took something you know every time he got hit he grew armor, which was oh, what yeah, he was supposed I'm, to do.
0: I was worried they weren't going to do that. And I remember the first time he kind of peeled like a snake. And you see, like, the new layer of Doomsday. And I'm like, okay, all right, guys, we got that. At least, at least we did that. And same thing with, you know, the, that thing that happens to his hand and everything. Little things like that that I was very, very happy that they got to do with their character that I didn't think they were going to. So it was like, I was like, okay, breath of fresh air. You still look like a Ninja Turtle at times. I get it. But that's just the nature of what CGI has to look like now. Because, look, if we would have done Impractical, we would have had the same complaints we had with Apocalypse and X-Men. He looked like a cartoon character. So I would deal with, uh, I'll deal with a CGI monster.
1: I couldn't see them doing a Practical Effects version of, of Doomsday. It's just it's, That's impractical. Uh, yeah, <laughs> To pull it off. And he's a massive character, so I don't know how you'd be able to do that. Mm-hmm. What is the best part of this film?
0: See, the best part, the first thing I thought of was a scene. I loved the, uh, and I know Zack Snyder gets a lot of crap for him being a mediocre director, but the direction he did in the scene of the party, it was Lex Luthor's fundraiser, and we had all three members, you know, we had Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman there, but all dressed as their normal people. And just the choreograph of that scene where none of them were in the same room at the same time, each one was sneaking away, something like that just blew my mind. He's not that kind of director. Zack Snyder isn't someone to give me master choreography of just a, a scene like that. And I was very, very impressed. I think that always, that stood out for me right after, as my, I think, my favorite part. But altogether, my favorite part's Wonder Woman. Uh, she wasn't enough to, I feel, to be a favorite part. But for me, I guess I'm such a fan of her that I think everything that she did was phenomenal. From her introduction, that we heard everyone in the theater clap, to just the, her dialogue with Bruce. I think she, is, she stole that whole movie for
1: me. Yeah, I really enjoyed Gal Gadot in this film. I the dinner party scene, I, yeah, that was that was a that was a good establishment of like where all the players are gonna be on the board. Because mm-hmm. that's the first time that Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor kind of tweaks out a little bit, mm-hmm. where you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, this guy is kind of evil, which <laughs> everybody perfect. knows going in, but you're like, Okay, when's the when's the switch gonna flip on him? And and you can definitely tell that it, it did there. That's where I was kinda hoping, like the back and forth between Batman and Superman. With the dialogue, we're gonna go. We we're gonna get more of that uh, in that dinner scene we did, but we already saw that in the trailer, so it wasn't anything yeah. new. Like my one question is, this film was supposed to come out a year ago. I want to mm-hmm. know what that film looked like. Like I would like to see because I know there's going to be like an extended R-rated cut, which I really don't know how they're going to go R-rated because uh, it's just violence and, and and it's computer animated violence, I guess. I don't know, you know, they're going to show more blood or whatever they're going to do, but yeah. I don't, you know, this—it's not an over-sexualized film. Uh, I'm trying to think of where they can, you know, nobody really curses. I mean, Batman and Superman don't, and Wonder Woman—they're not known for cursing, so I don't really know where the where the language would come from. But I want—I would love if they're going to release that like director's cut, that extended one. I would love for them to release what should have come out a year ago, because I want to know what they mo- what what they saw, and were are like, okay, we needed to fix because. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of roosters in the hen house on, on this film, a lot of hands in the, in the stove. Like Whatever metaphor you want to use for too many cooks in the kitchen, it, with these type of films, there's always tons of them. So I would like to know like what that initial look was. I think
0: from what I think is they took out a lot of the, the extra stuff. There's that cameo from The Flash that I don't want to get into too much detail. I felt like he would have had a bigger part. I think, I think they scaled back. Um, I hope so, because there was already a lot there. So for them to scale back more, I'm like, God, what What was that first movie? <laughs> what, what did you do that you were like, okay, this is too much? Like,
1: no, because they even,
0: 40, I don't know.
1: they even said in an interview that, like, they wanted to have the the Riddler in this film, along with the Joker, to kind of set up Lex Luthor. And I'm like, how do you... Yeah, they... That they would have no been spot. insane. They... they you, do you think the film, like, with Man of Steel, uh, and this is what I'm comparing it to, Man of Steel, because this is the second DC Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. film. With Man of Steel, I feel like there was, like, three solid chapters in that film. You have the opening on uh, Krypton, and then you have, like, the in-between, uh-huh. and then you have, like, okay, here's the battle with Zod, and mm-hmm. those are the three chapters going in. Did this film have three chapters? I kind of... Being two two hours and 45 minutes, I felt like the pacing was a little wonky.
0: That was one of my few, like, really major negatives other than Amy Adams. I don't like her. But one of my big negatives was the editing. I thought it just, it was really paced. It didn't feel like two hours and 40, which is okay. You know, that's always good when a movie doesn't feel like three hours. But it just felt weird, was, especially the ending. I just kept thinking, I'm like, oh, this is the end. Oh, another scene. Oh, this is the end. Oh, here's another scene. Uh, So things like that that I just thought was weird, but there was no beginning, middle, and end. It was just, here's everyone's slight origin, and then action. There we go. You know, a lot of court drama, which I was surprised at. But yeah, that was, the editing and the pacing were just a little bit off for me. Nothing too major, but it was noticeable enough for me to think of it as a negative.
1: I I don't want to give any spoilers out, because I know that people haven't seen the film yet, but... I was impressed on the direction they took in the film at the end. Cause I was not expecting that to happen. Oh, not at all. I was like, oh, they're going in this direction, which I didn't think was going to happen at all. I thought it it's hard to say without spoiling, but I that's that's the one part that impressed me about this film is mm-hmm. I feel like they they were going in a direction, they're like, We're gonna make a left hand turn and we're going this way. And I was like, oh and I was I was pleasantly surprised with it. The problem with it is it kind of just paints you in a corner now with characters. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, what are we gonna do now with these characters? Yeah. And so that so I was happy and then I was like immediately like, What are you gonna do now? Like how do you how do yeah. you how do you unpaint yourself out of the corner?
0: No, I think with that ending is what we were talking about at the beginning of this was that was the first time they made a move and was like, This is the move we're making, deal with it. And I don't think they did enough of that. And I think that ending was that exactly like, oh, here it is, mic drop, there you go. But uh, on the opposite side of now, how do we come back from that? You know, where are we going to lead off to the next one? I wish we could talk about it more because it's so hard to like vaguely talk about this without talking about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it, That ending actually made me happy for, the, for what's going to come right after this, you know, what's because we already know Wonder Woman's movie set, you know, in the future. or I mean, in the past. So, you know, it's like, what's going to be right after this movie? Where do we go from here? So, it, it's, it's a negative and a, it's a positive. So, I'm interested to see. Which At least they got me doing that. At least I'm not just walk out of it like, okay, cool, I'm done.
1: No, I'm definitely very excited for uh, Suicide Squad because I know that Batman's going to be in it. And mm-hmm. since uh, Ben Affleck, for me, was the best part of the film... I'm very excited to get two Batman films within one year because I don't think that's ever happened before. So I'm going to be very excited about that. I don't know how big his part's going to be. I hope it's I hope it's sizable. After seeing Batman vs Superman,
0: it, do you have, did you see the animated film Assault on Arkham?
1: Yes, I did see that film.
0: That's what I feel Batman's part's going to be in it. It's not his movie, but he's he's almost going to play the antagonist in a way. He's almost I feel like he's going to be in the background, annoying everybody. You know, knowing all the bad guys, so I feel like he'll have a a decent part, but not anything too crazy. You know, mm-hmm. because unfortunately, with that cast, is you already have enough great people. And Now, now, after seeing Ben Affleck as Batman, I don't need another great performance. You just too much in that movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, looking forward to the the DCU universe. I'm looking forward to a Batman solo film. I really hope that uh-huh. they decide that and get that moving forward and green it. I understand that there's a justice league film, uh, part one and part two. Uh, they've already talked about the flash and cyborg and green lantern, but what they've kept under the radar or not under the radar, just haven't announced. and haven't talked about is a Superman film. And, and I'm trying to figure out, and this is where we're going to have trouble conversating about it, but like, where do they go with that character?
0: Um, yeah, that's, that was very interesting. And maybe, you know, maybe that's why they haven't announced one yet. Because I thought that was a major problem on the Marvel side is anytime anything would ever happen, you're like, oh, well, there's a movie coming out with that person's name on it. Obviously, nothing's happening to them. So I think that's what I think they did well with this is kind of leave everything ambiguous. You know, we don't, we know that movies are coming out, but we don't know what these movies are coming out at. Because same thing with Batman. i I think this Batman movie is going to be set before all of the events of Batman v Superman. I think they, you know, I think stuff like that. So I think that's what we're going to do is kind of jump around time a lot. And I think that might help the solo, you know, Superman movie if we do that.
1: Wonder Woman, I understand being in the past and, and being in the far past, being in world during a World War One. Yeah, I would be very annoyed if, batman versus uh, a new batman film is in the past and i i I know that we i know that this is what kind of annoys me is i don't i don't understand why this batman is so angsty because you don't see that and that was like one of my gripes coming right out of theater i was like i understand he's upset but i don't know why he's upset he's lost all these people all this bad stuff has happened all this all this and i was like and i and, and so i get where you're talking about them showing what happened to him to get him to this point but prequels man you're a filmmaker why do people like prequels well
0: everyone wants it i i I deal with this a lot in horror like i'm a big fan of scary movies so i had to deal with the halloween story the first halloween movie we didn't know why michael was doing all of this and then i got the rob zombie movies and it's like because he was a white trash redneck who had a bad family i didn't need all of that um so batman i feel because there was a lot set up in this movie why did batman have burns on his body why was there no wayne manor you know stuff like this that i'm like do we have? I kind of want to know what happened. Very few times that I really want to know what happened, I'm, I'm a smart person. I can, I'm, I'm I pick up on subtle hints. But, you know, with the thing with the infamous Robin costume now with, like, the Joker's writing on it, is this what we're going to get to see? Or are we going to deal with, like, a Red Hood movie? You know, there's just so much we could do. And that's why I'm only a little excited for a prequel with this because there's a lot of unanswered questions
1: that was another bold move by this universe is they've kind of, they put Batman in a place in time that we really haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of things have, have been destroyed. Uh, they, they, you know, he's, he's, he's like, like I said, he's in his, his forties. Uh, I don't really know how old Ben Affleck is right now. And that's the only thing kind of concerns me is they need to kind of get these movies out as soon as possible. Cause every, you know, that's a problem with us as humans age. Uh, And we don't want people aging out of their roles before they Uh get to the good stuff. Uh, But yeah, you are right. There were so many things in the Batman universe in this film that you're like, what happened to Wayne Manor? You're Robin, Uh like all these different things. And where I was like, if there was just a few flashbacks in that film, I thought it would kind of, for me, would give me the heart that you're kind of talking about. Like you saw this, you saw and you looked in and you read into it and you're like, this is, this is the heart I'm seeing. Uh, For me, Mm -hmm. I wanted a little bit more visual. I didn't, I I didn't, I don't need a a scene by the Joker. I don't need any great villains to be in it, but I do need just like a little flashback because Batman had one nightmare in there. If he had a few more nightmares in there, Mm -hmm. uh, that could have filled in the gaps. I also want to say, I I agree. I also want to say that I really want his new pad that 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 new uh the new wayne manor that's on the lake that's all glass was was was
0: beautiful beautiful (laughs) i was like okay that was bougie there you go batman that's what i need you to have that's a a better version of the wayne manor than that old gothic like cathedral he lived in i'm like no this is nice this is this is this is slick this is a path for a billionaire
1: you can feel that there was a lot of money involved in it it's it, it for me, it suited it suited Batman. I like it suited Bruce Wayne. Like it, it felt more like because he had the vintage things, he had the vintage cars. There's the old money that he has that he kind of respect, but then he had this new palace that I was like, I really like this. And then then they had some random girl. was that was I thought that was they did Bruce Wayne really well because there was a random girl in that bed, but they don't show her face. We don't need to know oh, yeah. who that is.
0: Oh yeah, she was just some girl he met on Tinder. Basically, he's like swipe right on Batman. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that I love that. I thought that I'm so glad you picked up on that because I was just like, that's what I like. I just like this. Like, play- I like the Playboy. You know, but that's what I've always liked about Batman versus Tony Stark because I know they're very similar. he is all that Playboy, but it is a lot of it just for show. You know, he isn't that. He just does it because it looks good. I it, he reminds me of Dexter, that TV show where he only does this to fit in. If he could, he would sit in a, his back cave and look for the mask of phantasm the whole time, which was a reference in the movie and I was so impressed with. I'm so glad they made a vague
1: phantasm reference.
0: What, were, just on that.
1: what, was, the, what was the vague phantasm reference?
0: Uh, there was a... Uh, it was right before, like, uh, Bruce was starting to do this whole thing and he's like, looking for the white Portuguese thing. And Alfred's like, you know, we're looking for this phantasm and we don't know if it's a guy or a girl. And it was just so subtle. And I'm oh. like... And I'm like, is that is a that a is that a, is that, is that a joke? Are, are we are, good job? I, it was so quick and so like thing. But me and Dewey were talking about it, and I was just like, oh, okay, claps for you guys. Thank you for referencing the greatest Batman movie
1: ever. Um, and so yeah, I, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. All right. We're ramp- We're hitting like a half an hour conversation. And we had conversation about this film. We probably talk a lot longer. But I want you to. Tell the audience because there's a lot of negative reviews. There's it mm-hmm. seems to be a very polarizing film uh, that's going on right now. What I want you to do is to take, I want you to take this time and kind of talk to the audience and tell them kind of like your sales pitch of like why you should go see this film.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think you have to see this movie if you are looking for like a healthy alternative from Marvel this is nothing like a Marvel movie, which is a good thing to me. I don't understand why we need to follow the path someone else, you know, made for us already. So I think that if you're looking for a healthy alternative or if you're looking for something a little bit darker, and I don't understand why dark doesn't mean fun. I think that's the biggest critique I've seen. It's, oh, it's too dark. It's humorless. Why can't you have a fun time in the dark like <laughs> everyone else does, um, so, yeah, I just, that was my uh, big thing is just go into it with an open mind. Don't care what critics say. Just go in and just have fun. I think that's the biggest thing is everyone's going and looking and waiting for Brood. And I'm like, it's really not that much there. I think this is a pretty fun ride. It reminds me of The Watchmen where The Watchmen balanced the, the intense story with the visuals and the action and all that. I think it handled everything very well. Just just go see the movie. Just stop, stop being hateful, everyone. Just, just go and watch it.
1: EJ, how can uh, people find you on social media? You can find me
0: on Facebook at Marino, ejm m o r e n o, or you can find me on Twitter at ejchrist. That's not like Jesus. It's ejkhryst, or just Google me. <laughs> it's the easiest way. I, I thankfully, if you Google me, I do come up. Nothing bad. So.
1: Yep. I was gonna ask you about your Twitter handle because I don't understand it. Like some people, like mine's my name, and I understand uh, you got the EJ in yours. But what is what is the second part of your handle?
0: Uh, I've always been just obsessed with religion. I'm not a religious person, so I always thought of the idea of like kind of playing, doing a play on Christ. Um, so that's why when I found if you spell it like the way I spelled it on my handle K-H-R-Y-S-T, it's pronounced Christ. So it's just a uh, kind of my thing to poke some fun, but. It's a little, my little clever way I thought it was. No one else thinks it.
1: We're going to totally lose the religious right wing that follows this podcast because of you. I know. (laughs) I
0: know. I know. I'm so sorry. Vote for Donald Trump, everyone. Um, (laughs)
1: So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Just guys find me and just watch the movie. And if you guys see the movie and enjoy it, just tweet me. Just tweet me angry things. I don't care. Tell me my, my review of it was stupid. Just, just tweet me guys. Tell me what everyone thought of the movie, and I hope you get to see it again, Matt. Because I hope you get to see it at least as what I loved about it. Not, I don't think everyone should fall in love with it as much as I did, but I think you know, I think it's a, I think it's a solid film.
1: The one thing that I can do with films is I, in my head, because I have a really good imagination, can take a crappy film and make it really good by being like, oh. This is alternate universe Batman. This isn't real. Mm-hmm. This is this isn't my Batman. This is this is Earth, you know like you said, 1.5. And, and that little tweak for me would adjust the whole film and I would be fine with everything that goes on because it's not my universe. And and that's the tough part with these type of characters is you've grown up with them. I mean, Batman's mm-hmm. been around forever. You know, we're coming close mm-hmm. to 100 years for Batman. I think Mm -hmm. we're, so you have that many years of archives and stories and and mythos and to tackle something like this. And the same thing with Superman and Wonder Woman. They all came out around the same time. It's Mm -hmm. really, people have opinions because they've seen so many different things. So it's, it's, it's really hard, hard sell. That's what people don't understand. Or maybe they do. The Marvel universe isn't as old as the DC mm-hmm. universe, so you don't have that amount of history of your great grandparents telling you about mm-hmm. Batman or Superman and all these different things and building up from there. Where Marvels have not half the age they used to be half the age, but they they came out in the '60s, which is a totally different time. It's weird, but it's it's awesome because I love I love visual storytelling. Visual storytelling is amazing. Zack Snyder likes visual storytelling. Uh, sometimes he goes overboard, which kind of annoys me on certain things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 a great that we're able to have this conversation. I mean, there was there was a whole point in time where story we would number one wouldn't be podcasting. Uh, number two, mm-hmm. uh, number two, uh, we would be talking about '80s action films as opposed to superhero films. So th- it's a mm-hmm. great time in the medium to be talking about this stuff. Uh, we, we want it all to be good. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's mediocre, and we kind of gotta work our way through all that. So I, I really appreciate you coming down and talking to me today.
0: No problem. I think the biggest thing I just took from what you said is interpret how you want to. If you want it to be an alternate universe, take it like that. There's no that's, it's art. There's no set rules of how you're supposed to feel and how it's supposed to be. I think what you said is I hope what more people can do is just take it for what it is, and then you put it what you know you put your meaning behind it. So, yeah, I, thank you so much for having me, and uh, I can't wait to do this again.
1: That was Monkeys Fighting Robots movie critic EJ Moreno. You can follow him on Twitter at EJ Christ. That's E J K H R Y S T. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after this show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. Press subscribe, please. Also, if you have a chance, rate our show on iTunes. If you have an Android device, listen to our show on Stitcher. There's also this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world, plus the Monkey's Fighting Robots podcast. Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made the 67th episode of Monkey's Fighting Robots a success. Special thanks to EJ Moreno for calling the Monkey's Fighting Robots Hotline. Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey's Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Monkey Fighting Robots. The iPhone XR is here at T Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect New Year, New You portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today.